You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online and in iTunes because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So again, thanks so much for tuning into today's show. This is episode 90, which is crazy, and we're like fast approaching episode 100, and we're actually very, very close to having over a million downloads on the podcast, which is just insane and blows my mind. But if you haven't had a chance to leave a review, please do that because we don't have nearly enough reviews for how many people are actually downloading the show every day. I think we have like 200 something reviews and they're all great, but we definitely need more reviews to get the word out. So in today's show, we're going to be talking in depth about earnings trades. Now, these are these quick trades that you make usually right before and then right after. I mean, you're usually not in them longer than about a day or so that you make around a company's earnings announcement. And so today, the day that the show goes live, we're now getting deeper into earnings season for the current calendar month or I'm sorry, current quarter. Last week, we had companies announced like Netflix and Yahoo and Goldman Sachs and Qualcomm and eBay. And this week, there's a ton more announcing like Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Capital One, Twitter, ConocoPhillips, Exxon, GM, Microsoft, UPS, right? Starbucks, everybody. This is like one of the more busy weeks that we're going to have for earnings season. So I figured why not do another show, another podcast talking about earnings trades. I don't think we have talked about it enough in the show and and on the podcast. And I think it'd be something that we could discuss here today with you guys. So let's first start this whole discussion about earnings trades by just like understanding like the big broad strokes of how they work. And then we'll start digging deeper and deeper into them as far as how to find stocks and how to choose strategies, et cetera, right? So what is an earnings trade? Well, every quarter companies announce earnings, right? And so those of you who are new, that might be new to you, but if you're a seasoned investor, you know this to be true. But during the quarter when they announce earnings and when they actually have their earnings announcement, whenever that ends up being, what typically happens for most stocks is that what you have what's called an implied volatility crush. So what does this mean? This means that before the company announces earnings, there's all this pent up hype about what might happen as the company announces earnings, right? There's expectations, right? They call it the street estimates, what people assume that the company is going to make or not make or how fast their revenue is going to grow or not grow. And so there's all this pent up expectation about what the company is going to do or not. And so as you approach an earnings event, what happens is that usually the implied volatility starts to increase higher. Now, this doesn't always happen, and this is the caveat that I say right up front, is that it does not always happen that it increases right up until the earnings event. It may peak early and then flatline, or it may never go up at all heading to an earnings event. Maybe it's not as an important of an event. But generally speaking, implied volatility gets really juiced up, if you will, and because people are expecting a big move in the stock. Because at that one moment that the company announces their earnings, the market basically has to reprice the stock of the company, right? And so that's why you get such violent big moves after a company announces earnings, good or bad, because the market now has new information to go off of, maybe revised expectations from the company. They're growing faster or slower than they thought they were, right? And so the market has to reprice that information in real time. And so that's why you get these big gaps or these big jumps 
in the stock price shortly after, or basically right after the actual earnings announcement is made because people are repricing it, okay? But that that earnings announcement itself gives us an opportunity as options traders to take advantage of the volatility crush. So as we lead up to an earnings event, volatility is all juiced up. People know that there's going to be a big move. They know that the company is going to announce. They just don't know where it's going to go. So options traders and institutions buy options on each side or sell options on each side, whichever side you're on, in anticipation of this big event, maybe to hedge a position, maybe to speculate on a position or on a company you know, having good or bad earnings, right? Whatever the case is, the implied volatility, the expectation of a big move is always there right before the event. Now, what happens is that once the event actually occurs, what you see in the option pricing is that implied volatility gets smashed down very quickly. And this happens like almost instantly when the stock opens, maybe two or three minutes after the stock opens and you get you know some liquidity coming into the market, but you see implied volatility drop like a rock. Now, this is the crush that we're trying to take advantage of as traders is this implied volatility crush that happens after earnings are announced. I think the thing that confuses people on this aspect is that they think to themselves that implied volatility might be higher because maybe the stock had a big jump. Maybe it jumped 10% or 15%. But the idea here is future expectation. And so once that earnings event is known, whether the information is good or bad, whatever the case is, now it's known and investors don't need to worry about it in the future. So that's why the implied volatility, the future expectation of the stock now goes basically to zero. It doesn't always go to zero, but it gets crushed down because now we have known information and now we don't have to speculate about how good or bad the earnings are. We we know how good or bad the earnings are, right? We know how fast the company is growing or not, okay? So that's kind of like the broad strokes of what happens on the back end, like what these earnings trades are. Now, I always tell people is that the beauty of trading earnings and the way that we like to do them is that it gives you less exposure in the market time-wise. You don't have to have the position for a long time. It's usually literally a day. It's not classified as a day trade, just to be totally honest, because day trades, the way the brokers see them, are entering and exit the same day. We would get into it, say, Monday and exit it Tuesday or get in Tuesday and exit it Wednesday. So it's not ever classified as a day trade. You don't have to worry about that. But it's literally a day's worth of trading, right? And so the beauty of it is that you have the short duration or timeline of exposure and it compresses the entire cycle of IV contraction down into a single moment. Now, for some people, that's really scary, right? So that's where the the drawback to an earnings trade is that it's like taking your learning curve and making it exponentially you know, more steep because now you've gone from making these monthly trades where you have time to adjust. You are basically like slowly watching the position move against or for you or whatever the case is. Now you have this earnings trade and you got this time horizon that's like all the way down, very, very short. It compresses the whole trading cycle down very quickly. In my opinion, I think that that's a great learning tool for people. So if you're sitting on the fence and not really thinking about making earnings trades, I think that you should reconsider it because earnings trades are a great learning tool. You can quickly get into a trade and then quickly see the results right afterwards. And if you do them right and you do enough trades, it will work out and should be profitable for you as long as you're keeping your position size small, all the stuff that we talk about normally. But it's a great way to basically like, you know, shorten up your learning curve or like, you know, basically make your learning a lot faster with earnings trades. Now, of course, it has its own drawbacks, right? Stocks move and positions literally go from overnight either 
you know, on and profitable to on and a loser, right? And it happens quickly and some people can't handle that, but that's just the nature of the beast, right? So as far as just finding earnings trades, so I want to kind of dig, dig a little bit deeper here and now start talking about, you know, kind of the process that we go through with this. As far as finding earnings trades, it's not too hard to find when companies announce. So inside of Thinkorswim or Tastyworks or whatever broker platform you use, you can find an earnings calendar that usually has the earnings for every company that's out there. Again, what you want to focus on is you want to focus on any earnings trades that are coming up the week that you're trading. So like right now is the 24th when we're releasing the show. And so we're focusing on any earnings that are coming up this week and not too worried about anything that's going on in the future because you know who knows what's going to happen between this week and next week as far as that stock's implied volatility, maybe a stock's move, maybe they announce early and kind of surprise, you know, it's been known to happen that, you know, earnings get leaked. So you don't really want to like, you know, count your chickens, I guess, before they've hatched and, you know, worry about stuff that's happening in the future and and not, you know, or at least too, too far distant future. Now, from here, though, you definitely want to pare down your list, right? What I say as like a general rule is focus on the big names, right? So I see too many people when I get emails from people and they have earnings trades that blow up or they're trying to do earnings trades is that they're not focusing on big name securities, right? So if it's a not not a household name or like you could say that maybe that's the household name test, but like McDonald's and JP Morgan and Chipotle you know, Caterpillar, AT&T, US Steel, like all of these names are more common names and are going to be just generally more liquid as you start to pare down your list. Now, of course, inside of the Option Alpha platform, inside of our toolbox, we have the ability to do an earnings calendar for you. So we have software that basically shows you everything that we're looking at on a weekly basis. It's always updated. It shows you what the stock is and how far the expected move is, et cetera. So if you don't want to go sifting through it yourself and you want somebody to do it for you, great, we do it. It's like 10 bucks to get the earnings calendar. It's not, you know, anything really expensive. It's, you know, pretty, pretty easy to do, right? And so you just want to focus on the big names because that's usually going to have the most liquidity, the most volume, and will definitely have the weekly contracts that you would want to start trading. So let's say that you focus in on something and it doesn't matter what it is. And so we'll go through a case study here in today's closing bell segment, but it doesn't matter what it is. But the one thing that you need to check after you focus in on the company that you potentially want to trade earnings on that week is you want to check and see basically what types of contracts they have available. Now, as a preference, we would prefer that they have weekly contracts available to trade. Sometimes if the earnings announcement happens on a monthly expiration cycle, the monthly contracts act as the de facto weekly contracts. But we generally want a contract that's short in duration and timeline because that's going to have most of the volatility juice kind of priced into the security. And it's going to react much faster to the earnings announcement. So to give you like a really broad example and kind of really hit this one on the on the head, if we will, if you traded earnings on a contract for next year, it may not have that big of an effect on the price of that contract. Because I mean, for goodness sakes, like the stock option contract is for next year. It doesn't expire for 360 days. So what happens today, yes, is important, but it's not as important as what happens, you know, right before the contract expires. So that's why those weekly contracts that don't have so much time value built in are going to decay at a much faster rate. Now, again, this is where some people get scared about this, right? Because 
you know, they decay faster, which means you could either make money faster or lose money faster. So we'll talk about adjustments towards the end of the of the podcast here. Okay. So that's the first thing. We definitely want to make sure that there's, you know, weekly contracts available if possible. Again, if you're trading most of the big names, they're usually going to have weekly contracts available and you want to trade the front most weekly contracts. The next thing that you want to check is you definitely want to double check that implied volatility. So, I mean, this should really be something you're checking ahead of time. But if you haven't already, double check the implied volatility. What I say here is that your IV rank or IV percentile, whatever you want to use, doesn't really matter. Just stick with one, use it the whole time, has to be above 50. So for earnings trades, you got to be above 50 because you really want to have that really strong drop in implied volatility. And you're only going to have that if implied volatility is high to begin with. So again, another mistake I see way too many people make, and believe me, I got the emails to back this up, is that people will like kind of get into a trade that's a 30 IV rank or a 45, and then implied volatility drops, but it only drops maybe five, you know, five points, right? So it goes from 35 to 30. You want a stock that's at like 80 or 90 and drops all the way down to 20. That's an implied volatility crush that we want to see. And again, sometimes you know, you'll have to pass on an earnings trade because it doesn't meet this threshold. For me, this is really like a hard line in the sand. I will not make an earnings trade unless IV is over 50. And it doesn't mean that if it's 51, like it's just automatic green light. You know, we really want it to be much, much higher than 50 to begin with. And so that, you know, means that sometimes we'll pass on a lot of what people think are really good earnings trades, but that just don't perform well long-term. You know, when we go back and back test different types of earnings trades and setups, you know, IV50 is a line in the sand that's, you know, really, really important to have, you know, a profitable earnings trading strategy. So you checked to see if they have weeklies, you checked to see if they have, you know, good implied volatility. The next thing that you want to do is you want to make sure that there's not only weekly options, but good liquidity in the weekly options. Now, here's the thing with weekly options. Weekly options are generally going to be less liquid as a broad base than monthly contracts, right? So you've got to use this with kind of like a grain of salt and use a little bit of rational thinking here. But what you want to see is you want to see good volume and open interest the week leading up to earnings and even the day or day of earnings. You definitely want to see good volume, meaning people are trading the contracts and good open interest, meaning that there's depth to the market, right? So this could be different for different securities. So I'm not going to say it's got to be this number or it's got to be this number because it really depends on the, you know, the value of the stock. You have a $40 stock compared to a Netflix couple hundred dollar stock, you know, liquidity, you know, could definitely be lower in Netflix contract number wise, but that doesn't mean it's less liquid. It just means that they're bigger value. So people don't need to trade 10 contracts to make up for one contract in Netflix, right? But you just generally want to see good liquidity across the board. The other thing that I like to see, and I haven't seen many people mention this a lot, is I like to go out to the next monthly contract out. And I like to make sure that there's also good liquidity and about the same strike prices in the next monthly contract. Now, here's why I do this in advance of making an earnings trade, because I'm assuming, of course, hopefully that we win on like 70% of these trades. But that also means that we're going to lose potentially on 30% or somewhere around there on these trades. And our adjustment strategy on earnings trades is to roll contracts to the next month. Well, if there's no liquidity in the next month, then it's going to be really hard to take a trade that potentially moves against us for earnings and roll it to the next month. So I'm trying to like pre-plan here and think ahead to make sure that, hey, if I'm trading, let's say the 40 strike puts and calls, you know, are there 40 strike puts and calls next month and how liquid are there? You know, are they next month? Because if I need to get that position out to the next month or make adjustments around there, 
I want to be sure that, you know, there's some market out there. And I'll tell you this, like I have definitely walked away from and not made earnings trades on securities that have no liquidity in the back month. And so if I would have made that trade and if it would have gone against me, it would have been bad because then I couldn't do anything to adjust it. I would have been like basically at the whim of the market and whoever is left trading there to get out of the position, right? And I never want to be in that situation. So I think you always want to err on the side of caution here and just really, really make sure that you know liquidity is good, that there's a market for the stuff that you're going to trade broad, right? Broadly across all the strike prices because you don't know where the stock is going to end up during that actual earnings announcement. So the other thing that you want to check now is you're starting to get deeper into this. So now you've figured out what stocks you're going to trade. Let's say they pass all these tests that we're talking about. The other thing that you want to start looking at is the expected move. Now, again, our software on Option Alpha calculates this for you. It basically calculates, you know, the very close to one day expected move, two day expected move in the security. Most broker platforms like Thinkorswim and Tastyworks and et cetera, they have this calculated in. It's called the MMM and there's videos that we have that we'll link up in the show notes at optionalpha.com slash show 90 that, you know, kind of help you go through this process. But what you want to see is you want to see what that expected move is. You want to have a good understanding of how far does the market think that the stock is going to move. Now, I'm going to pause here and just say that this rationale of the expected move and what we teach in our main trading courses about IV being our edge in selling options is virtually the same in that the market always will expect that the stock moves more than it does long term, right? Now, you could have a couple of earning cycles where the stock surprises time and time and time again. And it's really hard with earnings trades because you only get four opportunities to do this every year for a stock. But when we backtest a broad base number of securities, like 50, 60 securities, I think we backtested for almost 15 years, most of the time, by vast majority, the stock moved less than the market expected. So if the expected move is $2 up or down at the earnings event, you may see a move of 190 or 180, right? It could be up or down, still could be up or down. You don't know where it's going to go, but the stock is going to underperform the expected move long-term, right? And that's what you have to keep in mind. Now, another way that I want to say this, because I think it's really important and it's a comment or a question that comes up often is, well, what if a stock is just constantly beating the expectation, right? So what if the expected move is 20 and then the stock moves 40 and then the next time it's 40 and the stock moves 80? Well, the market will adjust over time to the fact that the stock is moving more than expected. So this recently happened in a long string for Chipotle. About two years ago, Chipotle just beat, 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 beat. And we were part of some of those trades where it just kept like slamming our position after position. But then the market overcorrected for the next like three earning cycles and way outsized or way overpriced how far Chipotle was going to move after earnings. And Chipotle underperformed, underperformed, underperformed the expectation. And thankfully, we were part of all this as well. So we recouped what we had lost in the previous cycles, right? But the whole idea is that the market is is efficient in that if something is happening on a reoccurring basis, it's going to adjust and then it'll adjust over, right? And so this is, I guess, speaking to the fact that you don't want to quit doing this once you start, right? This is still the same thing that we always teach is that you still want to keep making these earnings trades over the long term, right? It's not about this cycle or next cycle. It's about doing this for three or four or five years, right? Building a business out of this and having this be one of your revenue streams. 
And so that's the way that we kind of think about it. So once you figure out the expected move of a stock, let's say a stock is going to move $2 and maybe it's, you know, priced around 40 bucks or so, then you can start to look at, okay, well, what type of strategy can I do around this, right? So if I go $2 out on either end, and so if a stock is around 40 and the $2 expected move means that it should move somewhere between 38 and 42, well, great. If I start selling options, whatever strategy I end up doing around 38 and 42 as my short strikes can I make enough money? Now, look, this is a little bit of the art that we're talking about in the the podcast title here is that this is where you have to make the determination of if this trade is worth it for you to make or not, right? And so when you start looking at different strategies, you know, going from aggressive to non-aggressive and start pricing out different ways to, to do it, you really have to ask yourself, and this is a personal question, is that, you know, like, is this a trade that I feel comfortable making? So that once I factor in commissions to get in and out, et cetera, that I'll make a decent premium. And sometimes you'll have the perfect setup. It'll be great implied volatility, lots of liquidity. But then when you look at the strike prices, you actually have to sell because they're so far out of the money, you're only making $10, right? You know, lots of liquidity, everyone's trading them. But to be an option seller and you sell $10 options on either end really doesn't make too much money after, you know, commissions are factored in. So Again, this is a little bit where the, you know, kind of the art of it comes in that, you know, just the rationale really is what it is. It's just being a logical thinker and not being so robotic about it that you don't just take a step back and just ask yourself, you know, is this a, is this a rational investment? You know, am I going to make some money on this position? So the way that I look at it as far as strategy type and selection, and I'll, I'll kind of go through this because I know people always ask, you know, like, how do you, like, how do you choose what strategy you're going to use? The first thing I look at is implied volatility. So if implied volatility is, let's say, in the upper end of above 50%, so we're talking 75 to 100% IV rank, in those situations, I will always try to be more aggressive in my strategy selection, which means I will try to do, if possible, the straddle, which is selling the at the money calls and puts, or selling the iron butterfly really wide. Now, I'll do the iron butterfly usually if the stock is over $100. That's like a general rule, right? It doesn't mean I'll always do it if the stock's over $100. But as a general rule, if the stock's over $100, I'll do a really wide iron butterfly because the stock could make a big move and I want to you know, buy some cheap wings, right? So like a Google or a Netflix or a Priceline. I mean, those are really expensive stocks. It would be a lot of margin to carry just a short straddle for some of those positions. So we'll do a really wide iron butterfly, but we'll only really do those again when implied volatility is really high. So we want to be as aggressive as basically the market is pricing the options. So the more aggressive that the market's pricing the options, we're going to assume that that is over, you know, higher expectation than what's possible out of the stock long-term. And so we're going to be aggressive with our strategy as well. If the stock has implied volatility, say 50 to 75 is just a general rule Then we'll be less aggressive. We'll start doing more of the strangles and iron condors, right? Where we're selling options far out of the money beyond our strike price or our expected move, sorry, and trying to be a little bit less aggressive. We're not coming all the way in. We're selling options a little bit further out, right? Maybe taking a little bit less premium, but implied volatility is not, you know, it's high, but it's not insanely high that we want to be super, super aggressive with our position size and strategy, right? So it's ultimately up to you which way you you want to you know do this. Like I said, that's kind of the thought process that I have around this is you know use implied volatility as kind of your benchmark, your measurement for starting this process of analyzing a trade. Now, of course, once you get into 
the actual pricing are the pricing table for options, you might see that the strangle again is only paying $10. So maybe you do the iron butterfly in that situation because you can collect more money, right? It's not the ideal trade. You would love to do the strangle and sell options further out. But if all the other parameters kind of fit and implied volatility is still pretty good, you know, it's not 50, but maybe it's like 72, right? It's not 75, but maybe it's 72 or 70. Go ahead, do the iron butterfly, right? As long as you're collecting enough premium in any instance that your break-even prices are beyond the expected move so that you have at least a 70% chance of success, I think it's ultimately a call that you have to make. And sometimes we make those and sometimes we don't, right? It also depends on, you know, how many other earnings trades are out there. You know, is this the only opportunity that we might have this week? Maybe we make that trade, right? And try to get our trade count up. Or if we have 10 other things that we're looking at, we take, you know, maybe the lowest hanging fruit, the best of the 10 trades. Maybe we take five out of the 10. So I I think there's a lot of wiggle room in here. And I don't mean to be too vague. I just want to present some of the things I think about as you know I get into an earnings trade and kind of like looking at the earnings season because it's not so black and white as people try to make it and that's what that's the wrong way to go about it is like you know trying to have this like awesome checklist that always fits every security there's a lot of different factors in here and you just have to you know kind of use some rational thinking rational thought around this okay so now we've gotten into you know, kind of figuring out what strategies we want to trade what you know securities or what option expiration months etc Now the real key here from this point on is when we should actually get into the trade. And now this is something I see people screw up literally all the time, right? This is something that people screw up nonstop every single time. And that is that they get into the trade way too early. Now I know some people on our pro or elite membership, sometimes when they start with our service and they start learning about earnings trades, they wonder why we send out our earnings alerts so close to the end of the day. And it's because we want to try to neutralize our impact on the price of the stock as much as possible. What often happens is that leading up to an earnings announcement, the stock may have a dramatic move the last day or so. May not, but it may have a dramatic move the last day or so. And we just want to be as neutral to the direction of the stock as humanly possible. The best way to do that is to trade the options let's say 30 to 45 minutes before the close of the day of or the day before they announce their earnings. So let me be totally clear on this because I want to make sure everyone understands. If a stock is going to announce earnings today after the close, we get into the trade 30 to 45 minutes before the end of the close of the market today, right? So we get in the session before they announce earnings. If they announce today after the close, we get in today before the close. If they announce tomorrow before the open, right, then we still get in today before the close because you're not going to have any trading between now and tomorrow's open. So if they announce tomorrow, but it's before the market opens, great, we get in today. If they announce tomorrow after the close, then we want to wait until tomorrow to enter that trade. We're not going to get in today. They still got a whole nother day of trading heading up to the actual earnings event itself, right? So case in point, there was a, a really good one that I think is I, I always use is MON, which is Monsanto. And back in July of last year, Monsanto was coming up on earnings. Implied volatility was already high. But literally the last two days before the earnings announcement happened, implied volatility went down just a little bit and the stock made almost a 10% move. 
Now, that's a huge move. If you had gotten into this too early, you would have been knocked out for sure, right? Implied volatility went down just a little bit, and that was okay. But man, that 10% move the two days prior to earnings announcement was huge and could have knocked your position out. So again, let's try to neutralize the impact of direction here. We're just trying to take advantage of the drop in implied volatility. That's really what we're after. Like That's what we've come here to get. And so you want to make that trade as close to the end of the day as possible, right? I say give yourself 30 to 45 minutes just to see if you can get the right fill, to give yourself time to adjust the position, etc. right? You still don't want to rush it. You don't need to rush it. If you miss it, you miss it. And it's okay. Move on to the next trade. But you don't want to get into that trade the session before or two days before, assuming that nothing's going to happen until the earnings announcement happens. All the time, this is just one example with Monsanto, all the time we have stocks that are moving right before earnings are announced, literally the day of or even a couple hours before they actually announce. And you want to be as neutral to that direction as possible, okay? So let's say you get into the trade, you follow everything that we're talking about, obviously keep your position size super, super small in this because it's just going to be quick in and out, right? You want to keep your position size in check. Now, what do you do afterwards? Well, once the stock actually announces earnings, whether it's after the market close or before the market opens, you're naturally going to see the stock change in price. And this is something that you can see in advance. So it's not something you should be surprised about when the market opens at 930 Eastern time, right? To see the stock jump $10. You should pretty much know as soon as they announce earnings or right shortly after that, where the stock is going to trade. You can see that kind of trading in post-market, pre-market activity. This is helpful because it then allows you to kind of set up your strategy for exiting and or adjusting. So the simple one that we'll go through right now is what happens if the stock moves within the expected range, so does exactly what we wanted. Let's say we want the stock to make that $2 move that we were talking about earlier. Let's say it only moves a dollar or less. Great. Then what you want to do is shortly after the market opens, you want to close your position. And I say this because you don't want to be greedy and wait to the end of the week or the end of the day. Look, the stock made a good move. You want to close the position and take money off the table, right? And so I say this because what people often will do is think that if the stock moves within the expected range, that it will stay there. But it often doesn't do that. In fact, again, I point back to Chipotle. Chipotle I don't know, probably about a year ago or maybe a year and a half ago. I don't have the chart in front of me, but I know what happened because it moved inside of our expected range. We didn't close it as fast. I wasn't too worried about it as I should have been. And the stock literally turned around almost $150 during that trading session. And we had a big fat profit that turned into a big fat loss, right? Just because I wasn't as aggressively trying to get out of it as I should have been. So I say if the stock is profitable, you work pretty hard the first 10 minutes or so of the market open and you get out of the position. Now, of course, this brings up another topic. Kirk, do I need to be there for the market open for earnings trades? Yes, you do, in my opinion. Could you do this from your mobile phone? Of course, I've done earnings trades from my phone at the gym, changing diapers, whatever. As long as you have access to be on top of it and make the trades, great. If you are in a job or business that you can't get to the market for an earnings trade, then it's probably not what you should do at that moment. And look, I'm sorry to say that, not that I don't want you guys to make earnings trades, but in this instance with earnings trades, you kind of have to be there. If you can't make earnings trades, just keep up with the monthly you know, income trades that we talk about. But earnings trades, you do have to babysit a little bit. It's a lot quicker time. And so it doesn't require all of your time, but it does require your time in the morning and the afternoon of whatever days you're trading. Okay. 
So now let's say that the stock has some sort of surprise and moves more than expected. So to use our example from before, let's say the stock moves, you know, $2 more than expected in either direction, right? So maybe moves $3 or $4 out. Now you're faced with a situation where you need to adjust, right? So the first thing that I always tell people to do is when they're faced with a situation to adjust, you first want to follow our same adjustment techniques that we talked about, I believe in one of the earlier podcasts, maybe three or four ago, that we talked about those adjustment triggers and how to do that. You want to adjust by first rolling the tested side out to the next expiration month. Now, this is where if you did a little bit of homework in advance getting into these earnings trades, you knew that you had the ability to roll the contracts out to the next month because there was a liquid market for those options in the next month. You want to roll the tested side out to the next month for a credit if possible. Now, you may not always get a credit, and we'll talk about that here in a second, but if possible, you want to roll that tested side out to the next month for a credit. So to use our example, if the stock is at $40 and the expected move was $2, let's say the stock moved all the way up to $44. Well, you would roll your 42 calls, which are in the money, to the next expiration period. You're trying to buy some more time so that maybe the stock turns around and comes back inside of our range. At the same time, you're going to roll out and roll in your untested side. So if the stock moves higher than expected, you roll up your puts. You roll them out to the next month and you roll them up so that now you have the straddle at 42. If the stock moves lower than expected, you roll out your puts that are in the money, and you roll out and down your call side so that it's now, let's say, 38, right, to use our example that we had from before. So that's the same technique that we talk about all the time. Again, it's just happening on a much faster timeline than what most people are used to when they get into earnings trades. They're used to taking, you know, spending a lot of time analyzing that and having the ability to look at it, but you got to do this stuff much quicker. And I say, again, if the stock is aggressively going against you, right, and is definitely well beyond your break-even points, You want to start trying to make this adjustment now. Now, the caveat that I'll say to this is that if you can make this adjustment for an overall credit, whether you're rolling in whatever side or down whatever side, iron condor, straddle, strangle, whatever, if you can make this adjustment for an overall credit, it is the best way to go about this. When you backtest lots of adjustment styles and earnings trades, having the ability to add more timeline to your trade, more duration for the stock to come back around inside of its range is the best course of action. Yes, that does mean that you're going to have to hold on to that losing trade for a little bit longer, but hopefully you're keeping your position size in check and you can do that, right? You're not, you didn't over allocate on that position. You can hold on to it. So it turns around. If you cannot roll that trade out to the next month for a net credit, right? You may have to pay on one side and collect a credit on the other side, but as long as you roll for a net credit, you're good. If you can't roll for a net credit, it's not worth doing. So I'll say this again, it's not worth doing. Please do not pay and reduce your potential profit to move the contract out for the next month. It's just not worth doing. Just close out of the position and move on to the next trade. This is where position sizing, I guarantee, is going to be your best friend. You're going to thank me later and say, man, I'm so glad I kept my position size small because it could move against you in a big way, right? And you could have potentially a big loss here and there during the year, right? In fact, it's probably inevitable that at some point over the next couple of years, you're going to have a stock that moves really, really far against you. And it's never going to overshadow the smaller profits that you get along the way, but it does hurt if you don't keep your position size in check. So again, if you can roll for a credit, great. If you can't roll for a credit, 
then I say close out the position and leave it alone. So from there, you just want to manage the position next month like you normally would, just like a monthly trade. And we've got you know podcasts and videos and training on how to do that, as well as tons of examples on how to do this as far as live trades inside of our platform at Option Alpha. So you can check out all that stuff. We actually got a lot of uh, live trades that we put up there that are earnings related, opening, closing, adjusting. So there's lots of examples of how we do this. It's not just what we're talking about here today. So I know this one was actually a little bit longer, but it was fun to do because I want to get a lot of this stuff out. I know it's a huge topic area for people to you know, learn about. And, and I know it's, you know, something that we haven't covered as in depth on the podcast. And so I want to make sure that this was a really good episode for you guys. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it as always. And we'll get into now the trader Q and a segment. And now our favorite part of the show, trader Q and a, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air. Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now, here's today's question. Hi, Kirk. My name is Jerry. I'm from Texas. I've been trading for several years. And my question is about using the watch list during earnings season. If a stock is on the watch list with a high implied volatility rank and has upcoming earnings, do you recommend considering it for both a normal trade, like selling an iron condor 45 days out, as well as a potential earnings trade? Or do you recommend only putting on the normal trades post earnings? Thank you. All right. Hey, Jerry, thank you so much for submitting the question. And this was good because this question actually came in at like the right time this week because it was a watch list or an earnings season question. And so really the idea here, Jerry, is that if you have a stock that's on our watch list that has earnings coming up, I would say that the better trade is to wait for earnings. So the reason I say this is because if you make a normal trade or kind of like a monthly normal trade, you may not get that drop in implied volatility until the earnings event anyway. And so between now and earnings, you're basically stuck with a trade that may not move too much in implied volatility. In fact, it may go up, right? It could go up or could go down, but it could stay the same. It may go up and now you're really opening yourself up to a lot of directional risk as we head towards that earnings event. So I say the better trade here is that if a stock is going to announce earnings and implied volatility is high, wait for that earnings event and just trade the earnings event itself. You have less time in the market that you have money actually at risk. You have less directional risk in trying to pick a direction because we know that we're all pretty bad about picking directions. We want to be as neutral as possible and trade more of the sure thing. So if the earnings, you know, implied volatility stays high heading up to the earnings event, trade that earnings implied volatility crush. That's more of a sure thing than maybe making some money between now and the monthly expiration cycle that you're trading. So that's my opinion on that. Again, if you guys would like to get your question answered here on the podcast or live on Facebook and Periscope, which we're doing every single day, head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask, click the big red button in the middle of the screen and leave me a private voicemail. Again, there's no software to download or install, and it's incredibly easy. Now, before we get into the closing bell segment, where we're actually going to look at an earnings trade that I'm going to place today at the time I'm doing this recording, I wanted to let you guys know about your special podcast freebie. We actually have two things for you guys. You just have to sign up for a free membership. It's always free for life, but we have a totally complete earnings trading course inside of our platform as well as a 33-page earnings trading guide that kind of like walks through a lot of the stuff that we talked about here, checklists, examples, kind of points you out some things about where to find stuff, how to calculate it, 
all inside of our platform. So you can download the guide. It's our earnings trading guides, 33 pages, totally free inside the Option Alpha platform. Or you can take the step-by-step course. Again, it goes through a lot of the stuff that we talked about today, but in much more detail, obviously in visual format because we do a lot of video tutorials and training. Again, it's totally free, so you can get it inside of the Option Alpha platform. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, so in today's closing bell segment, we are going to look at a potential earnings trade in BBBY. Yes, that's three BBBY, which is Bed Bath & Beyond. And Bed Bath & Beyond is one of the more consistent stocks to have a good drop in implied volatility heading into or right after the actual earnings are announced. Now, it's not always the most consistent for having a good rise in implied volatility. There's sometimes historically where you don't get that rise in implied volatility that you want to see where it goes really, really high. But Bed Bath & Beyond is very good about getting that hard, strong crush in implied volatility. In fact, The last earnings cycle that it had, implied volatility went from 80 to about 16 in literally like, you know, three minutes after the market opened. So a huge, huge crush and huge potential. Now, Bed Bath & Beyond is also a big mover when it comes to earnings. Sometimes it has, you know, two or three dollar moves. So it's definitely one that's going to move. Right now, at the time that we're doing this video, implied volatility is at the 88th rank. So it is for sure one of the highest ones that we've seen in a long time for earnings trades. And it's actually really good because we can potentially make a really you know aggressive trade here in BBBY. Now, they do announce today after the market close. So again, we're going to get into this trade later on today, closer to the end of the day. And they announce right after the market opens. So tomorrow when they open, or is that they announce tomorrow after the Sorry, they announced tomorrow today after the close so that tomorrow when they open, the stock is going to be repriced based on the earnings that are announced, right? Good, bad, or indifferent, whatever the case is. The reality, though, is that BBBY has a lot of people that are interested in this. Even this morning as I'm recording this podcast, which is about 11 o'clock in the morning, there's already in most of the strikes for the April weekly contracts a couple hundred contracts of volume and open interest. I mean, across the board. So it's one that's going to be well subscribed to as far as activity. The bid-ask spread in most cases is, you know, a couple pennies wide. It's not too wide at all. And definitely a lot of depth in the options. Now, again, if I look out to the April monthly contracts, which are about 18 days away, there's also some good liquidity about the same strike prices, right? It's not as liquid right now as the weekly options, Rightfully so, but it's definitely not a ghost town out there. So I know if BBBY moves against us, which I don't know, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, who knows? You know, I know that at least I've got some, you know, fallback so that if I need to adjust the position out to the next month, I have the ability to do that. So again, we're looking at the weekly contracts that expire this week. So in just a couple days from now, when I'm recording this contract, that's kind of a little bit, you know, can be frightening for some people to trade options that close. But again, that's where all the volatility juice is there. It's basically just extrinsic value at this point. And as soon as the earnings are announced, I mean, these things are going to drop like a rock as far as extrinsic volatility value and go very, very close to their intrinsic value. So when I look at BBBY for the market expected move, I'm looking at an expected move that's about $2.58. In fact, While I'm doing this, I want to just take a little screenshot here so you guys can see this. I'll put all this up on the show notes page 
at optionalpha.com slash show 90. So you guys can take a look at all this stuff. It'll all be there. But I just took a little screenshot here so you can see what we're looking at. Expected move is about 258 or so. And with the stock trading at 38.80, that means on the downside, we're looking at, you know, potentially trading options about 36.30 or less. So here's where I would say, okay, if the expected move is about, you know, 258 or so, and that's about 36.30 on the downside, I would probably just err on the side of going just slightly outside of that range if you're going to sell options outside of that range. So I would sell like the 36 puts on the downside. On the top side, that's a move up to around 41.30. So again, we have 41 strikes available, but I would say maybe you sell the 41 and a half or the 42 options. You know, you just get just outside of that expected move, right? So that you have a little bit of extra, you know, cushion or buffer if possible. Now, this is a really good example because if we look at, let's say, the 36 strike puts and the 42 strike calls to sell in BBY, just as a strangle, you don't collect too much money. It's, you know, about 60 bucks or so. And so not something that I'm necessarily interested in doing. Now, the fallback here is that with this security or with the stock, implied volatility is really, really high. So what we actually want to do is we want to do something a little bit more aggressive. And in my case, what I'm going to go after is doing the 39 straddle. So I'm going to go ahead and sell the 39 strike calls and 39 strike puts. Now, the stock at this exact moment is trading at 38.75. And so what I want to do is I want to sell something that's just a little bit higher than where the stock is. I can choose to sell the 38s or 38 and a half. I'm just, you know, you got to pick a direction, right? So you either sell the 38 and a half or the 39, maybe a little higher, lower, whatever the case is. I prefer generally actually the round number strikes. And in this case, and you guys will see this on the show notes page when you go there for the um, image of the pricing table that we're looking at, the 39 strike options are way more liquid than the 38 and a half. So given the choice, I don't like to do the half contracts unless that's the only thing you know that we could do that has liquidity. I would prefer actually doing the full round number contracts like 39, 40, 38, et cetera, right? So again, here we're going to do the straddle at the money. 39 strikes are just slightly out of the money for where the stock is trading. The credit that we receive on this straddle is $2.53. And that's pretty good. Well, it's $2.54 now. It's kind of moving around. But that's pretty good. That pretty much gets us outside of the expected move in this security. Now, again, our strike price is a little bit higher than where the stock is. So you gotta kind of have to adjust it a little bit. But $2.54 is a pretty good credit for an at-the-money straddle. And when we hit confirm and send, the buying power effect on this is about $700 for our portfolio. So it's not a lot of margin to carry this type of position in our account. Again, if you have a margin account or portfolio margin account, it's not going to cost you a lot of money to do the straddle and definitely is the right trade to do because implied volatility is very high and you can obviously collect a lot of premium. Now, if we wanted to do something more risk-defined, so if you have an IRA or a a Roth or whatever the case is, and you want to do something risk-defined, you can still do the iron butterfly, which is based off of this straddle. So you would still sell the 39 calls and puts. And now what you would do is maybe go far out of the money and buy some long wings, very cheap. You're trying to get like, you know, 10 bucks or so. It's like a general target. So I would buy, in this case, something about $5 out on either end. So that's the 44 calls And then down below the market, that's the 34 puts. And those are each about 10 bucks. So now my credit gets reduced down to 235 or so, right? So I'm not giving up too much. 
and I've now capped my risk on this position, right? So you definitely give up a little bit to do this, no doubt, but you can make it a risk-defined position that you can do in your account. And again, you can scale up or scale down as needed in this security. So again, you can kind of play around with it and see on the screen when we get to the show notes page or when you guys go over there, you know, what the pricing is and how the liquidity looked at the time that we were looking at it and see, you know, kind of where we ended up placing the trade and where things ended up working out. So we'll see what happens today. We'll place this trade towards the end of the day. Obviously, I don't know because I'm not recording this podcast in the future what's going to work out. But if it does work out, we'll close it early. If not, then we'll look to adjust the position and basically do exactly what we talked about here today on the show. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you guys can get additional resources and any links mentioned in the show and some related video training on earnings trades by going to the show notes page at optionalpha.com slash show 90. That's just the number 90, optionalpha.com slash show 90. Until next time, happy trading.